Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. said i want to win the league but i want to win it better you can understand that can't you yes good luck so he's almost like having a second captain in the team second captain first captain whatever hello and welcome to monday's irish times second captain's podcast after the first full weekend of the ga football championship hi kieran Hello there. How are you there again? Hi, Ken. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. The usual questions being asked in most of the previews that I've been reading and watching and listening to. Can anyone stop the dubs? Mm-hmm. Who's the dark horse for 2016? Uh, will this finally be Mayo's year? Is one that's been yep. asked since 1951. Yep. Still asking it. They're still asking. Probably not, according to Paul Galvin, unless the nice people of that beautiful county toughen up a little bit. Mm. And writing the Sunday Times put out this weekend... He says, I was in Castlebar in February for Mayo versus Dublin. It was the first league game I watched in years. I was curious to see if any statements would be made by the new Mayo. I came away disappointed. More for them than in them. Ooh. Mm, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking, what? What's this anecdote? A perfect opportunity arose at halftime for them to signal new intent. Three Dublin supporters came down from the terrace, hopped the hoarding and walked right up the middle of Mikhail Park. They weren't antagonistic, but they carried a flag with them. On they walked, waving to the stand, waving to the opposite terrace, and then basking in the celebratory cheers that went up from the visiting Dublin fans. Some statement, look at us climbing your walls, waving our flag, taking over your patch. That's what it said to me. I was looking around for a reaction. It didn't come. Invading the pitch wasn't enough. The three boys then stood their ground and had a chat amongst themselves. You know you don't really know what to do when mm. you've been in a situation like this. The, it's the, the first five seconds after you've invaded the pitch and reached the player that you really wanted to hug. What do you do then? I don't think any players were around, but it sounds like it. No, it's halftime. Yeah. So anyway, they stood their ground and had a chat amongst themselves for a few minutes, supped their drinks, fist-pumped to the terraces to cheers again before a steward strolled slowly in their direction. The boys stood their ground. The steward wandered on with all the intent of a groundsman searching for divots. Still the boys stood their ground. I almost admired them for it, says Paul Galvin. Eventually the steward got to within touching distance and the boys walked. It said a lot. I felt like having a go with someone over it. It was a great opportunity for Mayo to make a counterstatement of their own. All it took was someone with personality to just try. That would have been enough. Get off our land and remember the day you were hunted. Didn't happen. Yeah, these guys were just fans. Yeah, so three different fans walked on the pitch with a flag. Stood around drinking, um, took a few cheers from the other Dublin fans mm. travelling away, and then basked in the inactivity of the stewards and indeed the maybe the. I don't know if Paul Gavin wanted Mayo supporters to get involved. He wanted someone. I, I really wasn't, it a Mayo, wasn't it a Mayo guy? He's a strong man, isn't he? Yeah. Was that, that <laughs> was that's a, that, so where that's was he? Him, yeah. he? He wasn't at the game. Yeah, that, that would have been that would have been an interesting uh, confrontation. I just feel that you know the the, the wide open spaces wouldn't have suited our Mayo friend. Yeah. You know, the, the, say in a phone booth, that guy could do some damage. <laughs> yeah. Just over the course of, you know, or if you take into account just the vast expanse of Mikhail Park, I just think that, you know, he'd get drawn into a fight that, 
You know, the sort of fight he wouldn't he he wouldn't fancy. But know? were the stewards supposed to be in on the new mayo? Are they? Oh. Are, are they? Everyone should be reading. Well, I mean, it's you know they should all be re- reading from the same. But I thought it was just function. a team. Like I mean, you have to get the whole county in there. Well. That, that, this We're not going to take any nonsense this year. Yeah, you just need a general level of. I, I think it would have been an unwelcome it, it, escalation it, it, intensity. if numerous Mayo fans had walked yeah, out no, to I, meet I us. Don't, no, I don't think that is what Paul Gavin is suggesting. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure who should have dealt with this really, but he, he just he seems to feel it was all a little too gentle. On is this Aidan O'Shea's fault as well? <laughs> Can we blame this on Aidan O'Shea as well? I don't think so. This is part of an argument that Galvin put forward that the league is where you sort this kind of stuff out and more football-related matters. He says it's actually way more important than the provincial championships if you're a serious All-Ireland contender. We'll put that to Carl Mannion and Mike Quirk today. I'm not sure if you necessarily... I think it might depend. He did. He, admittedly, he does say it might be different in Kerry than it is elsewhere, but you, yeah, I, I you want your columnists to speak from their own experience rather than making up what other people might That is very think. true. That is very true. And I think the Connaughton Ulster Championship, uh, at least, there's... Slightly different. I mean, Mayo have won quite a few. Donegal, I mean, Monaghan are the reigning Ulster uh, champions. So. We're not necessarily talking about just the importance of the championships here. It's also uh, w- what makes it... It's, what you're it's, getting it's, out of it. Yeah, what you're getting out if you're, if you're especially for all Ireland contenders, what, how likely are you to win? On, he, he felt if, they, if Kerry had played better in the league at certain times, won more league titles, he would have won more All-Irelands. That's mm. what he says. It's not just what is more important in its own right, a provincial... Championship or a league title, but also the What's league. More important to yeah, the league the yeah, yeah, the league is actually where you really try to put markers down rather than the provincial championship. That's what he reckons. Anyway, there are some tough guys out west, though, Murph. Oh, there are indeed. You know, what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, someone stole so someone stole Robbie Henshaw's laptop. Hmm. Broke the back window of his car, reached in, grabbed his laptop. That's it. Front window, I think. But yeah. Not the best way to start my Monday. To whoever stole my bag, I hope you find my economic notes useful. Hashtag happy reading. I'm getting my mate at Bundyaki to investigate and knock your block off, <laughs> says Robbie Henshaw. Yeah. Uh, you know... Isn't he way- supposed to be kind of a tough guy in his own right, Robbie Henshaw, what with playing centre for Ireland? Isn't he supposed to be able to take care of those types of situations himself as they arise? Bundyaki, straight back in there. Whoever broke into at Henshaw Rob's car, good luck. <laughs> So I mean, Bundyaki, he's he's happy enough to take on the role as strongman, enforcer. yeah, enforcer. Robbie Henshaw, infor- yeah. enforcer. Um, so I mean, who, maybe we just thought this was internet big talk. Yeah, a lot of big talk on the internet, Ken. Well, wasn't, wasn't it? Well, I'm, I'm afraid not, Ken. Uh, things escalated. Uh, Gardy were called to the scene after members of the Connacht rugby team, including Pro 12 Player of the Year. Bundyaki showed up at a house in Galway seeking the return of a laptop stolen from Ireland star Robbie Henshaw. Was Robbie Henshaw there? So there's a video on the Sunday World uh, of this confrontation happening. So basically, they used the Find My Laptop app, yeah, traced it to an, adre- an address in Galway, yeah. knocked on the door and said, "We want our laptop back." So the person that answered the door, uh, who had the laptop in his possession, said that he didn't realise that it was stolen when it came into his possession. <laughs> Uh, but uh, assurances have been made. Where did he? Where did he buy that? Uh, assurances have been made that uh, that the laptop will be returned. Will be returned. So who did Bundyaki bring with him? Did you say teammates or just was Henshaw mates? there? Yeah, members of the Connacht rugby team. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I mean, if you if 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 you've got an enforcer, do you go along? Yeah, with the enforcer, even just to point. You know, you the enforcer. Wait in the, you wait in the car. You wait, if you're Robbie Henshaw, you're waiting in the car. Well, that's the guy. Even though I haven't seen the guy yet, I, I just look at his face. 
Yeah. If well, you're, I mean, Bar- you if you're Barack Obama, you're waiting in the car. If you're Robbie Henshaw, you're knocking on the door, surely. I don't know, Ken. I, I mean, I think, to be honest, that if you're <laughs> a professional sportsman, this probably is the, the sort of thing you should be doing be anyway, anyway, Yeah, to be well, honest. Well, why not? Well, well, there well are... if someone punches you in the jaw and breaks your jaw? Well... There, I mean, you, you know, you know, you, you, you know there me. is a particular. Uh, yeah, but you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, Ireland's starting centre, are you? No, I'm not. But I, I'm, I'm also a man well, who likes back, my jaw. I like my jaw. I like it where it is. Off. Back yourself to, to to handle the situation. I don't think Ken that you would be advising this of any young. Sports. I don't. See, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't go and knock on the door where his laptop is. I, I, re- I really don't see what the problem is. Well, I mean, he's already. I mean. He's there, already there, there, told is, there the is a certain in body uh, in in society, Ken, who is on hand to accept complaints over these sort of matters and go knocking on those doors for you. Well, why Sometimes waste, it's, it's, why it waste police time? <laughs> well, this dangerous. isn't wasting police time. <laughs> the laptop was stolen, <laughs> and however it got into its present location, that's where it is. Stolen goods are in that house. Is so it in? Let's go. Do we know is it back in his possession yet? I mean, they went there and demanded it. Did they get it back? I presume it sounds like the subtext is they did actually. Get well, it back. I, you know, I mean, it's been promised. All right. It's been promised to them, so I'm sure that's fine. Jason Day's win of the Players' Championship was his seventh tournament success in the last 17 years, and he's talking pretty 17 big 17 starts. 17, what did I say? 17 years. On. I mean, I think it's Just let me make my mistakes, man. It's <laughs> no, fine. No, 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 this one is, we, we need to... It is to, kind of important, because okay? people will say, that's not that amazing. Pretty good career, I suppose, over the yeah, course of... Better than Almost two decades of golf. 17 starts, Murph, less than a year, 10 months. Yes, and he's talking pretty big as well. Good stuff afterwards where he says he wants to be in the Hall of Fame, wants to start putting series numbers up, even more than seven wins in 17 years. Uh, he's talking about Tiger, he's talking about Phil. He's not saying he's going to catch them, but he does say he wants to leave an, an imprint in the game and all this mm. kind of thing. So it, it, he kind of has um, snuck in there a little bit. I don't know if that's unfair I mean, I to say. Him. Yeah, with, yeah, Ma- it was supposed to be McElroy. It was supposed to be Spieth. There was a, there was a narrative. Tiger. Yeah. There was a narrative after uh, kind of last summer uh, that... You know, the, the golf world had stumbled upon, and we said, right, let's go with that. <laughs> and uh, basically, from the exact second that people said, wow, what a rivalry to illuminate the ages McElroy Speeds is going to be. Jason Day, basically, it was at that exact moment that Jason Day started winning golf tournaments at uh, an almost historic rate. We'll chat to Golf Digest. Sam Wyman about that. You might remember the chat we had with Sam over in New York about Jordan Speed's Masters collapse, in fact, which mm. maybe ties into this. Speed isn't at the same level he had been at. Mike Quirk is ready to chat now from Kerry and Carl Mannion is in studio. Carl, how are you? Great on yourself. I'm pretty good and uh, Leash are looking pretty good having beaten Wicklow on Saturday night but their manager Mick Lillis already has a sight set in the Dublin fixture and isn't happy with the venue. This is a little row that's been kind of rumbling away in the background but I guess is, is cranking up now because Dublin know their opponents. This is uh, going to take place in Nolan Park. Um, you know, Dublin are deigning to leave Croke Park mm. for a championship game. We should, should thank them for that. We should, we should all thank them for that. But anyway, a lot of people not happy at, at the fact that Nolan Park, the home of hurling in a lot of ways, was picked. We will play wherever we're asked to play, but I think the game being played in Nolan Park is a disgrace, says Lillis. But it's all down to money. It's a terrible indictment of the GA that it is down to money. Has he got a point? Yeah, it's a very disappointing development to see a game getting brought to uh, to Northern Park, I think, in the football championship. Uh, just to take the Kilkenny angle on it first, like Kilkenny don't do any promotion of football clearly in, in the county. Like you saw what happened with their minors this year, like. So why should they be getting any benefit of the doubt from a financial perspective in relation to the football championship? This sh- it shouldn't be just going there for that reason alone, I think. Uh, in fairness to McLittis, he had to show an element of respect uh, before the game uh, at the weekend. Didn't bring it up until after. And in fairness, when he did have the chance, because they're now through, he can bring it up. 
Yeah, it is. It's a joke. Like that. There's a game going to a, a Hurling County uh, when Leash have been playing Dublin in Crow Park for the last for how long? When was the last time they played a championship game in Moore Park? Isn't the Dublin? argument though that Nolan Park has more? So it would really be between Nolan Park and Port Leash. Even if Leash weren't playing, Port Leash might be the other most viable option. Would it well, in terms Port Leash, of Port Leash is the most viable option, and the the reason given uh, apparently was that the Dublin fans are used to a certain level of uh, of uh, of facilities at a ground therefore there's more seats in Nolan Park uh, Port Leash has a higher capacity but there's only one stand the rest of it is, is standing and that uh, the Dublin fans are, are used to a certain level of facilities in the in the stadium I, they're sitting basically sitting down uh, so you can't then ask them to stand up in Port Leash. Is it not that you make more money out of seat, well, yeah, out, I mean out, that, out of the stand tickets? I mean, that's the actual reason. Right. Yeah, yeah. but I mean th- that you can sell more stand tickets and that's going to cost more than the terrace ticket that you would sell in Port Leash. I presume, I mean, to be honest, there is no logic to this. I, I cannot understand why that would be the, why that would be the case. Um... I mean, it's, I'm not missing anything here. No, like, and if the Dublin fans are used to a level of treatment that they expect when they go around the country, well, why is it good enough for the Leash fans when they're there all the time? And <laughs> every other Leinster county that plays in a Moore Park, bizarre. why aren't they putting more seats into a Moore Park than for other yeah. games in the Leinster Championship? Yeah, it's just a strange one. The fact that they made that decision so far in advance as well, I don't see the reason for it. Like, they were able to bring Mayo and Kerry Iron semi final to Limerick at a week's notice there, like, two, three years ago. So, like, it could have very easily been fixed after the game. It's not for three weeks, like. Mike, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I'm with Morph. I, I really don't understand the logic of it at all. It's, it's like they just threw a couple of venues in a hat and pulled out one and said, yeah, let's let's go here and let's see what people are walking around the field with sticks for some reason to play a football game here. Like, it, it just makes no reason. It, it makes no sense. I mean, I mean, any, anywhere, this, this logic of the Dublin supporters are used to a certain standard of, of you know, that they're, they're the plush surroundings of Croke Park. That's that's fantastic, lads. But like, there is there is life outside of the city, and, and we can go to other places and other venues. Port Leash is the only place to play that game. It it, it solves both boxes. You get you get them out of the out, out of Croke Park for a game, and 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 Leash get a home game in, in their own venue. I mean, it just I I really can't understand the logic of it at all. It makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, and I mean, it did, yeah. this it had been well flagged. I mean, the decision was made months ago. Uh, and people are saying, well, you know, this is, what are we talking about now? I mean, we what we have now is some sort of vaguely competitive game uh, in the Leinster Championship that, you know, there was a chance. I mean, you're not even saying that it's unfair to Dublin. Of course it's not unfair to Dublin. They've had been playing home games for the last 10 years in Crow Park. It's not even remotely unfair to Dublin to say, you have to go to Port Leash to play Leash. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, it is a very, very strange thing. I mean, the advantage, the home advantage for Leash means a couple of things, right? It means that what Dublin have in Crow Park, they play all the league games they have done for the last six years, they have a dressing room. Players have a spot in the... These are tiny, th- small things, but footballers and athletes are creatures of habit. Leash have a chance to to do a couple of small things in the build-up to this game that make Dublin feel uncomfortable. Go on. Turn off the hot water? Turn off, Well, turn off the hot water is uh, probably post a 17-point defeat of Leash. That's probably only a mild irritation. But they have... You know, if... If for some reason the the away dressing room is a lot smaller than the home dressing room, then Dublin are just going to have to deal with that. If you know, they're, they're, the heating might for some reason, you know, be, go on the blitz on that day for in one of the dressing rooms, uh, making it intolerable or at least mildly irritating for. Du- I mean, these are stupid things. Yeah, I remember. But that's I, home advantage. I remember last summer I went to uh, the Bombonero in Buenos Aires, yeah. and the uh, the tour guide was telling us that the 
the away team always were in the dressing room below the stand where all the Barra Bravas were. Mm. So for an hour before the game, all the Barra <laughs> Bravas were there on the terrace, <laughs> yeah. jumping up and down to make it the most intimidating atmosphere possible. No, I don't think the the Port Leash natives will be yeah. doing the similar. Yeah, but yeah, there is little things like that, Murphy. You're dead right. Like you know that just might upset Dublin. Uh, that upset the other teams when they go up and play Dublin in the capital. Uh, the other aspect of this is I can't believe the Leafs County Board weren't uh, arguing this a lot earlier with the Leinster Council. Uh, like Roscommon got a lot of grief this year for not moving the game from the hide earlier but Roscommon County, uh, County Board came under amazing uh, pressure from the local businesses in Roscommon Town and they did everything they could to keep that game in Roscommon Town for just the financial well-being of local businesses mm. and if the Leash County Board are coming under similar pressure I can't believe they didn't argue the point at least with the Leash County You couldn't change it now could you? I mean it's still three weeks away uh, obviously, well, obviously a lot of people in Kilkenny would be pretty annoyed <laughs> Obviously you can but it won't happen. equally obviously it won't yeah. Alright, uh, Paul Galvin wrote an interesting piece just to switch pace here a little bit in the Sunday Times, his first column in the summer. Uh, I might as well put this to you as a former teammate there, Mike. Uh, he's talking about this period. Essentially, his point is, right, he, he's, he was al- always used to get very quickly tired of people coming up to him during his career around this time of year and saying, okay, you know, the league's out of the way. This is when the serious business starts. He said for him, it was actually time to switch off for a couple of months and he found it really tough. He found it a strange kind of a period. And he says in this piece, I don't mind saying I place league football above provincial championship in terms of importance. The league is where you find everything out. Would you have been the same? Yeah. Like... I mean, it, 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 in the last in the last you know five to ten years, there's there's no doubt the league has is is absolutely more more important and more valuable to the top tier counties. I think um, now for for your four or five counties who have aspirations of realistically, you know, challenging Dublin and and possibly winning in All Ireland, uh, or or maybe that you're going to win a provincial title, all the rest of them really. Their goal at the start of the year is to either gain promotion or win their division in the in the national league. Like I mean, if if you know if you were a, if you were a, a county in Leinster at the moment, you have no chance realistically of winning your Leinster provincial title with the way Dublin are going. So their all their their ambition at the start of the year is we we got to get out of division two, we got to get it out of division three. Let's win a title, and that's that's where they're measuring their success now. This is where most teams are measuring their success around the counties, and and for the likes of Dublin. Kerry, you know, Tyrone, maybe Donegal, you know, the, the, the few, the handful of teams that are realistically targeting an All-Ireland success in September, they're, they're going then on the Galvin route that, yeah, we win our, it's a stepping stone. Your provincial title now is a stepping stone to, to winning in All-Ireland. But realistically, for the vast majority of them are, are, are um, on, it's, it's all about, it's all about the league. That's, that's where managers now are, are measured at the moment. Uh, Carl, is the, I can't help but think that this is a, Carry, uh, you know, Galvin is a carry man talking about this. I mean, he 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 says eight or nine, eight or nine provincial medals. He's not even sure how many. Oh of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if I continue that quote there. I don't mind saying I place league football above provincial championship football in terms of importance. If I had eight or nine league medals instead of the eight or nine provincial championship medals I have, I think I'd have finished my career with yeah. more on well, Ireland. I, the point is basically the Munster championship <clears throat> certainly is completely devalued. But I mean, I would say if if you offered Roscommon, if if you'd offered Roscommon at the start of the season. Uh, two wins in Division 1 and relegation and a Connacht Championship they'd have taken that yeah uh, my my initial reaction Murph was when I heard it uh, yeah maybe it's a it's a Kerry person you know talking down because it's been devalued for him over the years he's won so much but then like when I just like look behind it and I thought about why he was saying it like Paul Gavin would have played a lot of league campaigns there coming up against the likes of Philip Jordan Barry Cahill Noel O'Leary his old mate and then it stopped and for three months until August he maybe was facing Noel O'Leary once more in that three months so you can see why 
that provincial campaign meant nothing to him because he was facing no challenges uh, of the level that he was used to in the previous uh, couple of months and then I said right that's a fair enough position to take for him and, and like, I didn't really uh, get under my skin or anything at all but then when I kind of applied it to my own uh, provincial uh, experiences when I look back now on my uh, my career there was only two really in my whole 12 years where I, I can look back on fondly one of them now wasn't was a loss one of them was a, a victory but wh- when I think about it like the system in one way cheated the way uh, the player the, the teams that I played in because of the fact that we played league campaigns seven or eight games in a row over three months and then we might get two games for the next three months uh, and as much as we wanted to win a Connacht title and as much as Roscommon wanted to win a Connacht title this year that isn't an outlet for anyone to play a sport to play in a two or three games or the space of three months in the finest weather of the year uh, and yeah it's a disappointing thing that I look back on in my career and I think maybe the fact that Paul Gavin is now retired and looking back on it he's probably seen the same thing It seems that we, we're just we're taking it as read that the league has become more important I mean it was only a few years ago that regularly would be said about the league that it doesn't really matter and that provincial, provincial championship Mike is at least where things start to hot up a little bit but we're saying now that it's, that's totally switched that it's all about the league well, I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to, like, for for any time in, in in a Munster Championship, if we're playing Cork in a, in a Munster final, you know, Killarney or or, or Pocket Cueve is buzzing, the whole place is alive for the, the week leading up, to it, and it's a huge game. But with the greatest respect, I mean, you know, if Kerry are are, are playing the winners of Limerick or Clare uh, in in three weeks' time, um, you know, maybe maybe. Tipperary and then maybe maybe Cork, you know, and we'll be you'll be building up the opposition, saying, look, you know, Tipperary have a lot of work done in Limerick. Realistically, Kerry are going to be in a Munster final against Cork, and and it's going to be one of those two are going to win the provincial title. So, like to to follow on Carl's point there, you've you have this this kind of system in the league now where you've got ultra competitive games, albeit in bad weather conditions and in a bad time of year, but you've got really high quality games, bang bang bang, week after week playing a different guy equally you know at your level every week and then you go and you're gone back to you're gone from division 1 to playing a division 3 team uh, and and basically trying to build yourself up for that knowing that realistically once you get off the bus you're probably going to win that game and get to a provincial final you know and it, it, that's the frustrating thing but we all know we all know that's the problem at this stage it, it's the it's actually finding a viable solution that, that Congress will buy into and to, to change the system to make it a kind of a, a more equitable system for everybody is, is the challenge Yeah and I mean Richie Hogan told us last year on telly actually that all he wants to do is just play games like the, the yeah. this whole idea that uh that how do how do Kilkenny motivate themselves or how do Dublin uh players now or Kerry players now motivate themselves uh you know to keep winning year after year and Richie actually said i mean it's it's what motivates me is the chance to like if in a good year like last year Kilkenny would play four championship games <laughs> you know like yeah. like this is yeah. a Kilkenny hurler saying he doesn't get enough games in the championship when they literally do nothing but win championship games all the time I had a quick look this morning Murph just at Paul Galvin's statistics for his career he played 55 championship games 45 as a starter so if you take out maybe one or two monster championship games over the space of 12 years you take off 20 off 45 so he possibly played 25 meaningful championship games over the space of his 12, 13 years in the inter-county game. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's and this is, one of the, this is one of the great footballers. One of the, you know, one of yeah. the best footballers of the last 20 years uh, with longevity as well. 
and that's that's a career you know it's, it's there's just not enough memories and now when he looks back at it now that's why these points are jumping out at him like yeah, that this yeah. has to be said I, even during I, I remember speaking to him when I was working with him on TV in Santa a few years ago and he was making the same point then when he was still playing that he it seemed to really bug him this idea that the league wasn't supposed to matter but I suppose Mike when we look at counties like Kerry in particular uh, over the years you would just assume that a league title wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eyelid one way or the other whether or not you were going to win a league I, I would have thought a win against Cork would at least give you you know would at least jazz up that part of the year for you way more than a league title would oh yeah no you see, see Galvin's probably having a little jab at Cork there as well obviously you know he's, he's, he's giving him a little little punch in the ribs I'd imagine but like it's just the league like the league in the last five years in particular has 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 taken on the significance of of of, of it's more significant than your early rounds of the championship for particular counties now and I, I, I go back to that point. I think your your top tier counties, the league is more uh, important than your first rounds of the provincial title. But if you're someone like like Roscommon now, who have real ambition of going in and tackling Mayo and, and maybe getting a provincial title, then obviously this year for Roscommon, although the league was very important to maintain a Division One status and do as well as they did and get to a semi final, now the provincial title for them is huge because their most realistic chance now of actually getting something is is seeing if you can topple Mayo in in, in Connacht. You know, but for for the likes of Kerry, Kerry are going to be playing in August. Like Dublin are going to be. Play- Playing in August, you know. So for those top top tier, you know, counties, absolutely the league is where it's at. Like the best fun I was saying to somebody recently, the best fun we had with Kerry in 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 my last couple of years was in 2009 when Cork beat us in a Munster final, and we were we played Longford, we played Antrim, we played um, Sligo could have beaten us, Blow and Kerry Murphy made a last minute a penalty save, not not your Murph now or Dermot mm-hmm. Murphy, and. Um, and we were playing games every week, every a different opposition, and it was just constant games to reiterate that point, and and a new challenge every week, and a different team, and you know it's it's this kind of okay, we got to go and out the boys are going to Portugal in two weeks' time to do a week's training camp, they come back and they play Limerick or Clare, you know, and there another four or five weeks before, it's just really really protracted and and not what players want at this stage and. Like it's it's being said loudly enough now. It's it's kind of time somebody starts listening to it. Yeah, and from the opposite side of the spectrum, like you saw Johnny McGee there at the weekend lamenting the fact that his team now have to wait six weeks for one more game when that might be the last game of their season. So while Kerry are where and Dublin are where they'll probably be playing football in August, a lot of teams who should be playing football in August and playing in other competitions are not going to be playing. Yeah, and jo- they're going to be, have no more games the rest of the year. Yep, Johnny McGee managing Wicklow these days. Uh, we've mentioned Roscommon a couple of times. Uh, Carl and they very nearly weren't playing in the Connacht Championship past May the 4th or whenever that game against uh, in New York was you were over there what, what, what happened what the how, hell happened how did they almost <laughs> lose yeah so it, it was a strange game uh, Roscommon didn't have their full team there was a few lads with niggles who they decided not to bring with them uh, the game started it was very low intensity initially uh, Roscommon got a bit of a lead up they were uh, cruising at 4 or 5 points up for most of the game uh, and just kind of idled in front and just second half, you know, it was just going like like five or six points up. There was nothing happening. And all of a sudden, New York got a bit of momentum, kicked some great points. And Roscommon started to panic, uh, started to turn over the ball a lot, uh, brought New York back into the game. And New York, in fairness, with some quality players, uh, got, got back to a point, two points behind and had a goal chance right at the end to, <laughs> to stick in the dagger but uh, thankfully it sailed over the bar yeah it was a dis- disappointment development after the league uh, last year after the league Roscommon after winning that Division 2 title playing very well against Down and Crow Park went into a bit of a trough uh, and never came out of it again I would be really hoping that this isn't a similar development for them Well I've got Leitrim this weekend but looking a little bit further ahead would you think that that's enough of uh, a kick in the arse that they'll 
that they'll take it on board. You know, remember Mayo a few years ago, nearly losing in London that time. And James Horne's first to, ever game in Georgia. Yeah, Mayo, going on yeah. to some pretty good things under Horne. Yeah, I know it would be a big kick in the arse. Uh, knowing the way Kevin and Fergal are, I can imagine it was. It's been hell for the last few weeks. Just dealing with them and talking to them like uh, and the way they would have met, made the Roscommon panel feel after that performance so I would be expecting a big performance now at the weekend if they were to show a similar uh, la- lack of lethargy or uh, lethargic no energy levels bad creativity this weekend then I would be getting worried uh, they need to respond this weekend Mike just a word on Tyrone uh, they're probably the big hitters in action next weekend would you put them into the bracket as some people are of you know the, the teams just Below Dublin, I guess. Yeah, would you? Derry will be tough. Like, well, they've got yeah. Derry already. Yeah, I mean, Derry, Derry themselves will be tough enough. But would you, would you have Tyrone up there if they start making a run through Ulster, or they don't even have to do that over the years? Maybe even making a run through the qualifiers. Yeah, I, I, I just think you know that that Ulster Championship is so competitive that you know they're 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 going to have their hands full with with every team they play up there. You know, Donegal aren't going to go away. Donegal had a massive start to their you know to their league campaign. Obviously, they faltered toward the end of it and and, and they fell back, but. I, I just think whatever team comes out of Ulster is going to be so competitive for the All-Ireland. You know, I still think that, that Tyrone are going to be short one or two quality inside guys that they had the last 10 years. Um, but definitely the way Sean Kevin is playing, the way those guys are still moving, they're going to be competitive. I just don't know how close they are to that to that second tier yet until you actually see them come up against a, a viable threat to Dublin. Carl? Yeah, the chances that fell to Tyrone last year against Kerry for the goal chances to, to get them into a position to win that game fell to some of the younger players, uh, Mark Bradley and Conor McAllister in particular. And those are the players that need to step up this year to drive Tyrone over the line, like the Kavanaghs, Matty Donnelly and Peter Hart are going to do, like they always do, and they'll play to the level of the top players in the country. But it's the players below them that have to step up, and when they get those chances to take them this year and to show the quality that they have shown at under-21 level in fairness to them, and to bring that on to the senior team, because that is the way that Tyrone are going to get back up to the top tier and challenge. Do you think they will do that, though, or, or are they in your list of yeah, no, I think four they, or five teams? I, I, no, I think they are up there. Okay. I think there's a good chance that they will show up again this year. Like Their, their form last year in the Championship was excellent, getting close to carrying on Ireland's semi-final. Their league form this year has been excellent. Uh, they rose their performance levels very well for the, that league final in Crow Park to show the country that you know we are a serious team again we're going to we're going to take on this championship in a big way so yeah I would see them definitely as if not this year in the next couple of years very definitely challenging Carl Mannion Mike Work thanks mate thanks So the Ulster Championship is still important. It's probably worth pointing. Mm. Funny, Leinster. This is the one, the one takeaway I guess from a fairly low-profile batch of fixtures yesterday is that Leinster, outside of Dublin, is pretty entertaining. Uh, the, the, the games are quite. They awfully look pretty good against Longford for their first championship win in years. Yeah, and the, the thing is that there are there are so many teams in Leinster. There are actually, there are tons of games that don't involve Dublin at all, and all of those games are very tightly contested and are celebrated with 
quite a bit of gusto, as you may have seen if you follow Shane Lowry on Twitter or Instagram <laughs> yesterday, for instance, uh, saying that he was the happiest man in Sawgrass up awfully. Uh, but, I mean, say awfully winning their first Leinster Championship game since 2007 is a huge deal for those guys. Like, that's actually a, 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 a huge result. And it, it was a game that 100% had to win. I mean, it kind of all excuses had been uh, well and truly expired uh, over the course of nine years of not winning a, yeah. a championship game. So, I mean, and now, now all of a sudden they have a look at it and say, right, the only other team that's on our side of the draw, I mean, th- what people are saying is that Kildare will get to the the Leinster final out of a batch of those teams. Kildare were in Div- started in Division 3 this year. So there is actually, there's no reason for Offaly to stop now and say, right, this is our, that's our one win you know we can call it a we can call it a year now you know yeah. um and oh, see all these games it it is it's kind of strange that uh i think a lot of people uh look at the, the the fact that there's a big four and not just that there are four really good teams but that and i mean i keep leaving Monaghan out of this and Monaghan are the Ulster champions i mean they haven't won all Ireland so let's say Mayo Donegal Kerry and Dublin there's four big teams and one of them in every province and I think as a result, it kind of sucks the energy out of all of the provincial championships. And all of these games, like there are loads of teams that will have successful years outside of that top four. And all, all these games that don't involve any of those top four, they're still 100% really important, brilliant events to be at as part of the GAA championship that you kind of, a lot of people just kind of forget about. But yeah, yeah, although you could still have those events as part of a much better structured championship. Of course. Yeah, you know, you could still have I really, mean, yeah. Like, forget about that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you know, there's like in in ways, obviously, like there's so much wrong you with it. You not forget about it. Games. But at the same time, you have to say, right, well, this is what we have, and you can't say that awfully Longford yesterday, like that was just brilliant. Like everyone who went to that got their money's worth, and uh, awfully got, took something that will actually be their the the the. The memory of their year, even if they don't, even if they don't win anymore, and they have the hope to get to a Leinster final. Westmead got to the Leinster final last year, and I mean they got hammered, and they didn't really seem to care all that much. So that's something for Offaly to aim for as well. Simon, hit it. I've got a call here. That says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God. That's just it. I just well, mentioned not you, not me. Okay. Ain't nobody with my click. We don't normally click, broadcast click, all the, the stuff click, that comes from scum click, around the country. Ain't nobody fresher than my mug, mug. Click, 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 click. Today's scumbag. A scumbag. When are you going to apologise, though? It's Colin Flynn. <laughs> we'll get to you later again. What's he done now? Dear second captains, big fan of the show, says Colin. I'm the fencing coach in Trinity College. Oh, sorry, thanks, Colin, first of all. I'm the fencing coach in Trinity College. Man. I just listened to your interview with Natalia Coyle, who used to train with us here. Really enjoyed it. Particularly happy to hear her relaxed personality come across so well. Yeah, she was great, I thought. I'm emailing in regard to Murph and Owen's discussion following the interview with Natalia about being interested in giving fencing a try against one another. If that is something that some or all of the second captain's team are interested in trying, I'm sure we could work it out for you to have an introductory session here in Trinity. We'll be happy to give you a chance to stab each other. Either way, keep up the good work. <laughs> Says Colin, very kind mm. offer. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Well, the last time I went Stabbing head- each other, yeah, eh? Yeah, mm. The last time I went head-to-head with Murfkin in, uh, in Athletic Endeavour was a 100-metre sprint about 10 years ago. Didn't you go took, quite so well for me. You took big and you got smacked down. Did, uh, did oh. not go well. Uh, um, I mean, so I don't I, know. I have, to, I, have to, I have to seriously consider this. It looks too hard, to be honest. I mean, it's not like the kind. Ca- well, I mean, it, you're up against me. It's not yeah, going to be that hard. It couldn't be that difficult. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's not like you're up against another fencer. I mean, you just get in there, and I just think 
Let's go for it. I mean, but imagine I, plunging your cold steel into his chest. <laughs> Is yeah. that how it works? Natalia was telling telling us about a move that she uh, performed on Rob Kearney. We mentioned Rob Kearney had had been uh, had been out there, and the move is called the flesh, where basically you charge at your opponent and just basically jam the tip of the sword into the facial region. Right. Now, obviously, there's wire yeah, it's all there. very it's safe. Fine. It should be mentioned. There's a helmet. It's absolutely no no issue. Very but, very seldom accidents. If, if almost never. Yeah. <laughs> no, never, Ken. Never. <laughs> the fencing world wouldn't have it. So the flesh that's what that's all I do. That would actually just be that would be the entire the f- Yeah, flesh is F spelled F L E C H E. Just isn't it, I think. That's what Simon is telling me anyway. Just I don't know why he wants me to clarify that. It came through in my instant messenger here. Okay, right. Spelt flesh. Well, well, no, you're thinking about, you know, exposing flesh oh, as a yeah, result yeah, of the move, yeah, yeah. when in fact it's probably just a fencer called flesh. But it sounds like this really, really uh, intricate move where you try to take someone's head off with a sword. So that's fine. No, I think... Um, sounds like you're in, I, and I remain to be convinced. Ken? Hmm? Well, Fencing? Well, it was myself and yourself, first of all. Well, no, he invited all of the second captains. You're not sure, so I'm going to move on to Ken. I mean, if, if, if you don't want to fight me on, then that's fine. Move on, Ken. You're uh, you're in. I I don't want to fight. You don't want to fight. No. Oh, Rob he- Robbie Hedgehog's got to get down and dirty. But you're sorry, but I don't know if you can direct me to any social media posts I may have made in which I <laughs> talk about how I'm going to sort things out. With you know, come no, on. he said Bundyaki was going to sort it out. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly he what he said. Anything, he said yeah. Bundyaki is going to knock your head off. Yeah. So I mean, he was as good as his word. I'm going to watch some. Anyway, Simon will take me on, right? I'm going to watch some fencing videos on. Yeah, yeah Simon's, up well, Simon's up for it anyway, so uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get it done. Doesn't have to get feel like all four rounds. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie. The post Tiger Woods era was supposed to be the Rory McIlroy era, but then that gave way to the Jordan Spieth era. And as everybody else waited around for Spieth and McIlroy to engage in an era-defining duel, Jason Tay just came along and ripped up the whole narrative. Last night's win at the Players Championship was his seventh victory in 17 tournaments that he's played in since late July last year as he streaks ahead at the top of the world rankings. Sam Wyman of Golf Digest, is this the Jason Day era? Well, let's let's try to hold off on the era talk. I always get a little nervous when we start declaring these uh, these big proclamations about eras. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no one playing better right now. And the, the big question, of course, is how long... Can a player like that sustain that level? Uh, I mean, obviously, he is—he's um, got all the tools, um, which, to some extent, we've said about Rory and Jordan at other times. Um, and and he's—he's he's playing exceptional golf. Uh, I, I don't mean to, to put a wet blanket on what he did this week because it's mm. extraordinary. I just feel like you know the the definition of an era. I feel is has got to transcend uh, high streak it's got to also be when you're when you're fighting it and still can summon some of your best golf so we'll see what happens uh you know as the season goes on we will and it's funny in comparing him to the other two guys i mentioned there you know Mac, we, we all know how amazing McElroy is how good a swing is how good a, a how sort of classically brilliant a golfer he is in, in a lot of ways uh, with jordan speed that's really about the putting and that he can hold these puts that nobody else does has jason day got one thing about his game that that you think will actually stand the test of time, or is is he a player who is he playing a little bit above his level at the moment? No, I, I don't mean to say that. I mean his his the diversity of his game is is remarkable, and he hits it phenomenal. I mean, just crushes the ball. Um, you know, hits these towering iron shots. Um, you know, was hitting a two iron, two hundred ninety, three hundred yards this week. So it just shows the the distance advantage that he can have. And he's got uh, the ability to, na- to 
to hold long putts. I mean, he's got a Spieth-like ability to hold big putts and arguably, you know, is is as good a putter as Jordan is um, from the middle distance range as well. I mean, that's the one thing, as you guys know, that Rory uh, is lacking probably the best ball striker in the game, the best golf swing in the game, but his putting just comes and goes too quickly. And uh, right now that does not seem to be a problem with Jason at all. I was interested in his quotes afterwards. He was talking about the fact that he's looked up the Hall of Fame, exactly the criteria you need to get into the Hall of Fame. He was mentioning how many PGA Tour victories Tiger Woods has, Phil Mickelson has. A lot of players maybe would shy away from that. I'm not saying he was saying this in any sort of a, an arrogant way, but I, I was interested to know that he he is thinking that way now. He's, he seems to have turned himself into a guy who's thinking about making an imprint on, on the game as opposed to just being one of the world's best guys. You're right. I mean, when, when you start thinking about legacy, especially at a pretty young age, uh, that says something about the level of his confidence right now. I, I was struck by the same thing, guys. I mean, um, you know, this is a guy, if you may recall, I think he was 21 or 22. He had said something about how he was going to challenge Tiger for the the world ranking. It was going to be him and Tiger down the stretch. And one part of that was true. He is the best player in the world. I think he was expecting Tiger to be there as well. Um, and he was sort of criticized at that point for being pr- pretty brash. But I think it comes from a, a genuine place, which is that this is a guy who has fought for a lot in his life, had a pretty humble upbringing. And I think uh, because of that, he feels like he's earned the, the level he's achieved and, and he wants to build on it. Is he likely to? Is there an aura about him now? We we asked this about Rory when he first really started winning the the big ones, and obviously Spieth uh, as well. Is there is there anything about Jason Day now? Do you think is going to intimidate other golfers? I would think just on the basis of you know winning begets winning. You know, like when you, when you say uh, an aura or an intimidation factor, you think of Tiger and you think of Tiger sort of the way he carried himself around other players. That's not Jason Day. And Jason Day is a nice guy, family guy, um, you know, very personable. So he doesn't have that, that sort of, uh, ominous, uh, quality that the Tiger has. But I think from the standpoint of it, you see his name on the leaderboard and you know how low he can go, you know, how well he can play, you know, that, that he can go wire to wire on a tough golf course like that. Uh, obviously that's, that's intimidating enough. So, so yes, I think uh, there's no player right now when you go into a tournament that's going to lurk larger than him. The, Sam, it's, this is a funny tournament in that it's long been nicknamed or the the fifth the fifth major. Whether or not that there was a marketing gimmick to start with, I don't know. But it certainly got this stature that a regular PGA tournament doesn't necessarily have. How far do you go with that? I mean, how, how much how much credence or status do you give a winner of this tournament compared to somebody who might have won the U.S. Open or PGA or Masters? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. It's the one we ask every year around this tournament. It's funny because this year, you know, I would say it's the sixth major because you have the Olympics this year. So that's the, you know, I would put that, in, you know, in my mind, that's that's still bigger than a player. It's certainly a big tournament. Definitely bigger than a regular PGA tournament. Definitely a a you know lowercase M major tournament in the standpoint. It's a, it's a it's a tournament that you're circling on the calendar. And when a guy like Jason Day wins it, it's definitely like a a credential you add your you know to your resume and when you talk about the hall of fame um you know it, where it gets tricky though in my mind is it's hard to read too much into it i mean i wrote something earlier this week about how there's no correlation between winning the players and how well you play the u.s open or really how well you play the masters previously so it's sort of this blip uh in may and it doesn't really 
portent anything about the state of your game other than you had a really good week. And if you look at the guys who have won, yes, you've had Tiger Woods and Jason Day and Phil Mickelson, but you've also had, you know, Craig Perks and Tim Clark. So it's you know, no disrespect to those guys, but it's, you know, it's, it's the type of golf course where you can get really hot, have a big week, win a lot of money, but then you know, kind of fade back into the scenery the next week. Or the case of on Saturday, it was really just players holding on for dear life. Not all of them managed to do it. There were a few pretty disastrous rounds. When when golfers complain like that, as they were doing, and certainly the coverage on TV over here was very negative about the state of the greens, do you have sympathy or should they just have to deal with the fact that some days they're going to go out there and shooting anything close to par is considered pretty good? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if sympathy is the right word. <laughs> <Especially> <laughs> they earn too much money for, for your yeah, sympathy is what you're saying. The brand so. of golf I play, I, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the question is always going to be in situations like that, is it fair? Meaning, you know, if you're hitting good shots and playing good golf and uh, it's just – it's not equating to anything uh, in terms of a decent score, um, you know, you have a reason to be frustrated for sure. Um Obviously, the PGA Tour reacted to the low scores the first two days. I think you know, just talking a little bit about the the you know the, the status of the tournament, the pride the tour has in the tournament. They don't want to turn it into a, a, a laugher, you know, where it's one of these you know you guys shoot twenty five under par. So I think they were responding to that and they wanted to put some bite back into the golf course, which um, is understandable. You know, I, I'm personally I I like that middle ground. Like I don't like runaway. Uh, you know, birdie every hole type turns, but I'm not a huge fan of the U.S. Open in the standpoint that guys aren't able to free wheel and play uh, aggressively. I kind of like it where they're, you know, you, if you play really good, you can make birdies, and if you play poorly, you're going to be punished. And I think that was what we saw yesterday on Sunday. Saturday was probably an extreme closer to the U.S. Open, which I'm not a huge fan of. All right, listen, Sam, great to catch up with you. Thanks a million. You got it, guys. Take care. Murph, what about yourself? Do you have sympathy for the world's top golfers? Bearing in mind, Shane Lowry is the one who was probably hit hardest <laughs> on Saturday. He went from hit a 78 after leading the tournament. Well, I sympathy for Shane Lowry. Yeah. Uh, That's because you really like Shane Lowry. Yeah, what about I mean, golfers a, in general? In a more general sense, not really. No. Um, other, other sports people in other sports maybe have to face more difficulties. You know, a lot of doping among competitors and stuff. Yeah, that's probably, you know, a little closer to the dictionary definition of deeply unfair. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, the, the point that Sam makes is, is well made in that they didn't want the winner to shoot like 25 under or whatever. But at the same time, I think anytime you make a decision halfway through a tournament to drastically alter the conditions under which that tournament is played, it might not be unfair, but it is... It just seems a little screwy, really, you know? It just seems kind of daft. Yeah, with golf, though, and this isn't necessarily the case here, but the classic is St. Andrews. You know, if the weather's nice and calm in St. Andrews, you, mm. <laughs> people are going to shoot ridiculous scores. Or if it's bad, it nearly takes care of itself in in that yeah. in that way. But, you know, you can you do something... If you want to set up a certain type of challenge in any sport, and if you want to organise a tournament, with golf, it, it just changes entirely based on... The weather. It, yeah, the weather and... and then based on what you do with the greens yeah. and where you but, put the bins. Like, I would, I'd be inclined to say that the weather is fine. Like, you take on board the weather. But everything else, mm. I mean, if you, you you should make a decision so that on Thursday morning, this is how the course is going to play. It's going to be tough this year or it's going to be, you know, birdie-friendly this year. Taking into account the fact that they've looked at the weather conditions or, the you know, the predicted weather forecast for the next four days, that's the decision. And you play under those conditions for the four days. I mean, I, I don't, to ask, 
I don't know why I'm sticking up for the golfers. I don't feel any sympathy for them whatsoever. But hey, Owen, we're having a conversation. We're having a conversation, and, that's, and yeah. that's the important thing. That is the important thing, indeed. Um, we're going to have a conversation right now, albeit brief, about what's coming up in the Irish Times Second Games Football Podcast. That's oh, the music's already started as I'm talking. Yeah. I just keep talking. Does no. that annoy people? No, you can laugh. It annoys it. Simon actually looks angry because I'm talking over his bed. But having said that, I want to be like me. Yeah. You know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd say it to you, but it's not safe to know. Good bed, actually, isn't it? What's your doing? Have some respect. You finished, though? Huh? You boy finished? Oh, shit, was my microphone on? We talked about... Well, we talked about the last day of the Premier League season, which was dramatic for... Probably the most dramatic match was the one that wasn't played. The one at Old Trafford, which was called off. Uh, we talked to Oliver Kay, who was there. We talked also to John Bruin, who saw Tottenham succumb uh, rather horribly, <laughs> rather horribly at uh, Newcastle. And we talked a lot about also on about John Terry, Carlo Ancelotti, and Roman Abramovich. Yeah, it was good stuff. Have a listen if you get a chance. I should have given you the email address when I read out the email earlier on. If you want to be a scumbag next week or any other week for that matter, you can email secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. com. That's the way to do it. Follow us on Twitter as always at secondcaptains. And just listen to the shows. That's the main thing. Talk about the shows. Tell people about them. Mm. If you're having a conversation, drop it in. Uh, you know, about podcasts, I mean, or about media. It's funny, actually. I heard something similar on the second... No, we haven't been talking about anything to do with that podcast. I don't know why you're mentioning it. But I suppose you've put it in my head now, so maybe I will go listen to it. Yeah. That's the sort of engagement we're just looking throw for it here at any stage. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Thanks again. Thank you, Owen. Thank Thanks, Karen, for listening as always. Cheers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.